Well, it's Friday afternoon. Market's closed for the weekend. Whew. I think I can get some rest for a bit now. Can't lose any money over the weekend at least, but hey, can't muck money either. The market bounced a bit today, April 24th. The Dow was up about 260 and the NASDAQ up almost 140. Feels like a little bit of a V recovery. I'll probably explain that in another podcast. But just think back in January, the Dow was almost 30,000 and in March, it was under 21,000, and today it closed at just under 24,000 or 23,775. I, like most investors, feel a little better with an almost 3,000-point recovery, but there are still buying opportunities out there, and there's still more upside. A small uptick, but still significantly under January levels. When the market sank in March, there were opportunities for sure. There still is now, and honestly, there really always are opportunities in the market. If you're pleased with your stocks, just holding during this volatility and things, you'll be okay. But that's why I like dividend stocks, because I'm still banking on my yield, especially the aristocrats. Because the aristocrats have dividends that are some of the safest out there. Right now, companies are hurting for cash because of the coronavirus. Some have stopped paying dividends altogether, and that's a death blow. That's a killer, especially to the stock price. You lose the dividend and the price lost. But only if you sell and lock in that loss. You've heard me say that. You don't lose money unless you sell. But would this be a time to sell that stock? As usual with the stock market subjects, it's, yeah, maybe, maybe not. In my almost eight years of managing my own portfolio, I've only had three stocks I've ever owned that stopped paying their dividend payments. And as you might think, the price is cratered. Now, I'm living this right now because two of those three stocks were in the last month ouch, why I've been grumpy lately. I will say this, none of the three were dividend aristocrats. All were high yield, so probably, and I should say obviously, now riskier. But I was owning them for the dividend payment, for the income. I would say I was chasing the yield. But two, this month I did sell, and I took a significant loss on both of them. So why did I sell them? Like I always say, you can't lose money until you sell. Well, I call the money that I had left in those two stocks dead money, meaning that I felt the recovery of those two stocks would take too long to recover my loss, if ever. It really is a death blow to a company to eliminate or reduce dividends. It's gold star companies that keep raising dividends like the aristocrats. I felt that the investment I had left with the money in there would be better served and utilized in other stocks. So I swallowed hard. I pulled the trigger to set my loss in. What I did, however, was I reinvested that money into five stocks that so far in just a month have done pretty well. Now, not close to my recovery, don't get me wrong, but the other two stocks that I sold have even gone down further. I wasn't going to sit there and watch that money go down further or just watch it be dead money months, quarters, years maybe, and that money does nothing for me. Even when I have stocks in my portfolio that have gone up in price, I'm always willing to readjust and sell a stock, take the profit, and invest that money in what I believe to be a better return. Not necessarily dead money, just maybe not as big a growth as I think I can get somewhere else. But I take a learning here. <laughs> the market is brutal, but my learning is it's better to take a lower yield then take the risk and get hurt like I did. Believe me, sincerely, I will and have learned from this. 
That's what happens in this market. Sometimes the market will just be brutal to you. But this is why I use my metrics. And I know I got a little greedy chasing yield. Now, with the oil crisis still going on right now, and some bellwether oil stocks such as Chevron, Shell, and Exxon, they have very high dividend deals because their prices are so low. But those stocks have to be in consideration to eliminate or cut the dividend. I read today that basically they are selling bonds and raising cash to sustain the dividend. How long can they afford that? Who knows, but I'm going to guess not very long. Therefore, when considering dividend-paying stocks, Look at their payout ratio. I talk about that in season one. If it's over 100%, that company has to borrow money, borrow money to pay the dividend. I do explain that REITs or real estate investment trusts will have higher payout ratios because they're required by law to distribute 90% of their profits and dividends. Therefore, they have high payout ratios. Okay, that's a touchy segment for me. It's a tough one to get through. I still have some financial bruises. Fortunately, the bruises are just on my ego, but uh, I did get greedy. I saw the shiny thing in the corner of my eye, and it was a high dividend. I didn't stick to my plan. Uh, my bad, uh, but a big learning. Now, I have to get the nerve to tell my wife. No, I'm just kidding. I tell her everything. But So this morning, I received an email, and this individual, I thought, asked some really good practical questions. I understand I've been throwing data an info, info at you like with a fire hose and it can be hard to swallow it all at once and put it into practice. As I read her questions I thought I'm sure many others have questions just like these. So I asked her permission if I could use her questions in my podcast and she agreed. As I say that I'm not even sure that she's a female. I've been getting emails from all over the world and there are many names I'm just not familiar with. I, I digress with that but I think she's a female. So what I'm going to do for the balance of this podcast is refer her to as a female, and I'll address some of her questions. One thing she asked me, and it's timely, is the higher the dividend yield, the better. Ouch, that was this morning when I got that email, and that kind of caused my stomach to growl. But I articulated, not always, and I kind of went through it a minute ago. But I told her to check to see if the dividend was sustainable. Also, it could indicate an underpriced stock, meaning that if the price is too low, the dividend yield goes up, so it could be a good indicator of future price growth. Next, she asked me about EPS. And she said, is the higher the EPS, and EPS is earnings per share, the higher the dividends. Hence, a higher EPS, the better. Well, not necessarily. On this question, paying dividends and earnings per share are reflections of a company's profitability. But that's really where the similarities end. There, there's no correlation of one to the other. She asked me if the higher PE, the more stock, excuse me, let me go, go back. She asked me if the higher the PE, the more the stock is overpriced. Is it better to choose a 20 PE or less in this economy? Now, the market, then my answer is the market PE has historically traded at 15 to 20. But different sectors can and do have different PEs. And that's an average for the whole market. I rarely, if ever, look at the total market PE. I, I mean, I kind of know what it usually is. I look at the sector of the market of the stock that I'm in, interested in, and then I look at their competitors. So let's do this exercise. Say I want to buy Pepsi. The market PE is 20. Well, the consumer goods PE is 27. Cutting that down to a, diff, uh, a deeper level, the beverages soft drink consumer goods sector PE is 34. So now I look at Pepsi and the PE is 26. Right in line with consumer goods, but lower than soft beverages. 
But then I take a look at the competition. So I look at Coke, biggest competition. It's got a PE of 19. Therefore, on a PE analysis, Coke looks like it might have some price upside relative to Pepsi. I then run all my other metrics against it, and I may decide to buy Coke instead, or I might even buy both. But that's how I use PEs and how I analyze PE ratios. She then asked me, as far as the 52-week high and 52-week low, is it safe to say that you should buy a stock when the cost is closer to the 52-week low? Well, you know, my easy answer is, yeah, as long as you know it's going to go up. But really, that's a tough question. It's a metric I look at, but key to understand is I look at all the metrics, and this is just one of them. Here's the thought. A stock at its 52-week high could be climbing to more highs and even break through that price. So I wouldn't eliminate that stock based on that. Conversely, a stock at its 52-week low could go further down breaking the low barrier and setting a new 52-week low. So, uh, you know, that's a tough one. I look at it with the P.E. ratio. If a stock has a low P.E. relative to its sector and is close to a 52-week low, that it can, could indicate that it's in for a run-up in price. Amazon, as an example, just keeps busting out the 52-week high and setting new highs. Apple, too. Uh, oil, on the other hand, is you know, probably setting, I haven't looked at it, for some pretty good 52-week lows. So then she asked me, how does the one-year estimate matter? My answer is, I look at the one-year target because it's a compilation of the analysts that cover it. So say 20 analysts cover a stock and they set price targets all over the place, and it's an average of that. It's a measurement of that. I find it useful to at least see how the analysts are viewing it. They are the so-called experts. If, say, 20 analysts all say that in one year the stock will be lower than today, I'll probably move on to another stock. I mean, I don't want to buy a stock where 20 experts say that it's going to be less than a year. My friend then asked me if an annual dividend is, as an example, buck sixty-four for Coke, and I buy 100 shares of Coke at $45 a share, what does that mean? Well, if you buy 100 shares of Coke at whatever price, you will receive the dividend doesn't matter what the price is. In your example, you would receive $164, that's 100 shares times $1.64, and they will pay that out quarterly. At least that's what Coke does. Now, if you have $1,000 to invest and the stock price is 50, you'd own 20 shares. So your dividend would be $1.64 times 20. If the stock price is 100 or twice that, your $1,000 would only buy you 10 shares times $1.64. So obviously you can see the more shares you own uh, is going to be times the dividends, and that's, you know, how much you'll earn in cash. She asks, is it safe to buy a stock uh, one week or two weeks before the earnings date? Can I be a part of the company in time to earn a dividend on the earning date? Now, that's another tough question, but uh, and there's kind of two parts to it. But there is a specific calendar of qualifying for the dividend. I would also not use the term safe to say about anything in the stock market, but the first and easy answer is uh, in order to receive a company's dividend, you need to own it by the EX dividend date. And that is not necessarily tied to quarterly earnings report. I speak to this in depth in season one. I, you know, really, if you're confused about it, I would visit that podcast again. But in a nutshell, there are three key dates. The X dividend date, that's EX. <clears throat> that's when you have to have purchased by that, purchased the stock by that date in order to get the dividend. And then a few days after that, it's called the rec record date. And that means that if you buy it by the ex-dividend date, by the record date, 
is you'll show up as a record of owner of that stock and you'll be identified as the stock owner and will receive the dividend. And it's a usually a few days past the next day. And then there's the payout date. And that's usually, I don't know, it could be two, three weeks, a month later. That's the date you receive the dividend. I'll tell you, this is really important to know and understand when you're buying dividend stocks because you don't want to be a day late and miss that quarterly dividend. You also, if you're going to sell a stock, you might want to give consideration if they're going to pay a dividend in the next week. You may want to hang on for the week to get that dividend. Well, one of my listeners sent me a great website that has all the data on ex-dividend dates, and I'll push it out to those included in my emails. By the way, I've I've developed that. I think if you've listened to this far, you know I have. I I call it John's Investing Group. Uh, that was suggested by the same listener. Just want to give credit where credit is due. I thought it was a good one. Okay. The other part of the question is that not knowing what a company will report. Are they going to report good news? Or are they going to report bad news? I mean, who knows for sure? Sometimes a company can beat the analyst expectations and it can still go down. Sometimes they can miss expectations and go up in price. There's just so many other influences, barometers, measurements, and even sociology that go into it. In the quarterly earnings reports, companies usually give what they call guidance for the next quarter and sometimes the next year. They give a guidance range. So if they guide down for the future in earnings, uh, in the future in the earnings report, the stock will usually react negatively. If they give an upward guidance, usually the stock will respond positively. The analysts do their thing and they come up with their estimates. You'll hear after reports something like this. Coke beat the street in their earnings or they beat the analyst estimates. Coke also gave a guidance of 5 to 7% over the next quarter. So they're guiding up. Coke, if they beat the streets and give guidance up, it would probably be a good stock to even buy at that point. Or if you own it before the earnings report, then you'll probably get a good bump that day. But for me, I don't know, I've tried this so many different times and I, I can't get a science to it, but I just don't like buying close to the earnings date. I, I want to hear what they have to say in those reports and then I have better data to make my buying decision. Do I miss some upside? Yeah, sure. But do I miss some downside? Yeah, I, sure, again. However, the quarterly earnings cycle always seems to be a volatile time for stocks. Well, I'll close with this. I thought for a beginning stock buyer in this very complicated world, there's still so much to understand, know, and digest. So I thought these were excellent questions, and I thank her for asking. Hopefully her questions resemble what you might be thinking, and now she is adding to the value in this equation. And I just got to say thank you for that. Now, I just always feel I need to use the disclaimer that I'm not an expert. I'm not a professional. I'm a home gamer, just a regular guy. These are only my thoughts and my opinions based on my study and my understanding of the market. I hope it helps. I hope it brings value. I want everyone to stay well. And as always, God bless you all.